regardless of, of uh, your father, my dad isn't here this year. He passed away earlier this year. So this is my first Father's Day without him and having a chance to celebrate him. But you know what? We still have an opportunity to celebrate because no matter what your father was, is, wasn't, should have been, wish you had been, or was absolutely fantastic at, you still have a father in heaven that we can really celebrate. And he wants you to know how much he loves you and how personal he is about you. I mean, he really dotes on you. And man, that's just that by itself is a big thing for us to get our heads around, isn't it? You know, on Mother's Day, we often tend to, we do, I think we do a good job of honoring mothers, usually on Mother's Day, right? Uh, would, you, would you agree with that? Churches usually do a good job of that. Yeah, they, we focus on that, we think about that. On Father's Day, we typically chastise the fathers, you know. We honor the mothers, we chastise the fathers. And I'd like to kind of avoid that today, if we can. And uh, so instead of uh, talking about what dads should do, I thought it'd be amazing to just look at our dad, our father. Look at his characteristics, and then all of us can say, oh man, I wish I had more of that. Or Lord, would you help me see that thing more like you see it and like you operating it for us so that, so that today can be an inspiration, an encouragement, and a motivation for us to really to get to know our dad better and to show his attributes in our lives. Jesus referred to his father as Abba. Now, that was a really intimate, familiar term. So the Jews at that time, it was almost revolutionary. It was, it was like today we might say uh, pops or papa or dad or daddy. Uh, my mom always called her, her dad, my grandfather, daddy. It always cracked me up because my mom was 5'10 and he was like 5'9, you know. And uh, she would say daddy. And it was such a term of familiarity and of, of appreciation to him of familiarity and intimacy. At the time, that was revolutionary for the Jews because they saw God as more austere, as being fearful and uh, scary. But Jesus is letting us know today, as we look at his word, you will see, if that's your picture of God, the father of our father in heaven, I just want to tell you it's wrong. It's just dip flat out wrong. That's not who he is. So we're going to look at Jesus's example of who he is and how Jesus calls him out and shows his characteristics today. So to better understand that, we'll look at Luke chapter 15, verses number 11 on to, I think it's about 32. It would be very easy. Now, this is a parable that Jesus is sharing. So Jesus is sharing this parable, which is the way he taught. He tells stories and the stories always had a deeper level meaning behind it. And this story is no different. This story is preceded by two other stories. They're known as the parable of the lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And we're looking at the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, or you could say of the proud son or the pouting son, or you could say of the forgiving and of the faithful father, the loving father. Because Jesus describes these people inside of this parable in that way, describes each one of them for themselves. And so we can find ourselves there. And, and I think you will, as we go through this, there have been times I have felt very much like the prodigal son. I've been lost. I've been gone and I had to go, okay, God, I, I got to figure out how to get back to you. And there have been other times where you're going, wait a minute, God, like that proud son, like the elder son. Oh, wait a minute, God, uh, you aren't thinking about it my way. You're, you're doing that for them. What about me? And, and, uh, but today I want us to focus on the father, on the dad in this thing, because what you're going to see is that our dad's love for us actually changes how we love. 
Our dad's love for us, when we see it, will change how we love, how we love other people, and how that impacts them. So um, we're gonna, I'll just re- we'll read through this story just like Jesus told it, and then we'll come back and take a look at it from a couple of different perspectives, okay? Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse number 11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You're welcome to follow along in whatever translation. You'll get the same idea. Here's what he said. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept across the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please, Take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and he's now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? And his father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. So on the surface, that story seems pretty simple, pretty straightforward. But I'd like to share it with you now a little bit from the eyes of a Middle Eastern person, from the eyes of the people that Jesus was talking to. 
because they would have had a little different experience than you just got, okay? So we're gonna take a look at it from that, that perspective. Now, you were given, when you came in here today, uh, a fill in the blanks, and a whole lot of it's blank, because all it is, all I'm uh, looking for you to do, or what you can do if you'd like to follow that, is just every time you hear a characteristic of the Father, you write it down. Because then you can remind yourself of who your dad is. My dad is. Here's the different things he is. And we'll go through and take a look at the attributes of the father this morning that Jesus is describing as his daddy, as his daddy, his Abba. So it, the story opens with a younger son saying this, I want my share of your estate or my inheritance before you die. For Jesus to open the story that way, to tell the story, must have shocked his listeners because that was like unheard of. That was it was really degrading to the father. The son, what he did which should have never been done. It was so disrespectful. It was as if he was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's how it would have been seen in that culture. So here he comes. He goes, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want the money that will come to me when you do die. And I want it now. I don't want to wait for you to die. So that's shocking enough in and of itself. But as the Jews are hearing Jesus say this, then he says, and the father gives it to him. They're going, what? What's this dad like that would actually give him that? Well, let's see. First of all, the father had an inheritance for the son. It was there for him. So that father's the provider, isn't he? He's providing for the son. And when the son asked, he actually allowed him to choose. Did you know your father allows you to choose even when you make stupid choices? And, and, and I, I mean, I could, man, have I ever made some stupid choices? And my father in heaven has let me make them. He is a gracious father. He's an incredibly gracious dad who, would, who had head within his rights with his son to go, no, not only, not only am I not going to give you any, but I'm not sure I ever will. I mean, he had the right to do that. That would have been very, very common. But, but this dad is wise. This dad is wise. He understands something. Sometimes success, sometimes understanding can only come through failure. Did you know that? Sometimes you won't get understanding of how great God is, how much your daddy loves you. You won't even begin to understand it until you've been down hard enough to where you're going, I can't believe anybody would care about me at this point in time because what I've done is ridiculous. And yet he still does. And so then all of a sudden we get a new understanding. So then the story says a few days later, or not long after that, he left. And you stop and think, well, why did he wait a few days? Why didn't he just take, take the estate and go? Because he had liquidated. He needed to get it turned into cash so he could travel light and easy, right? So he's turned it into cash. Now, when that happens, he's got to sell these assets. And who's he selling to? Oh, the neighbors around them, which means what? which means the neighbors are now all knowing what's taken place. And the neighbors now know how disrespected his father has been. And I'm telling you what, they didn't respect him at all. But that would not have kept them from taking advantage of the, of the good deals they could get and the buying the property and the estate. So he gets this stuff, he puts it in his pockets and gets ready to go. What amazed me about his dad in this thing, remember we're looking at the dad in this thing? Dad didn't worry about his own reputation in this. He didn't worry about his reputation. And yet, 
the people would have been talking like this about what kind of father is he that he would let a kid get away with that? Did he raise him wrong or what? What's going on with this thing? Yakety, yakety, yak, yak, yak. His, this dad, he didn't worry about his own reputation. By the way, our daddy in heaven doesn't either. So we don't have to protect him. He's not a bit worried about it. He's not worried about his reputation and who he is. He is loyal to his kid. He is committed to his kid and to keeping the relationship open with his child. He's so committed to keeping the relationship open with his son that he doesn't even care about his own reputation in the process. So he's willing to say, I'm willing to lay down my reputation as long as I can keep the door open to have the relationship I want with my son. And the son's going, but I don't really care about a relationship with you right now, dad. All I want is what you got to give me. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. And dad's going, you know what? You're breaking my heart. But I'm not going to close a door to a relationship with you. And even if I look stupid, I'm not going to close a door to a relationship with you. I'm willing to put my relationship on the line, my, my reputation on the line, to keep my relationship with you open as a possibility. Wow, what a love. What a love. That kind of dad's love for us changes how we love, friends. It really changes how we love. So the son leaves. As soon as he gets the, his possessions turned into cash, he leaves. And the text says he wasted or squandered all of his money in wild living. Interesting to me that the villagers he left and the people he came to were very unimpressed by him. Here's a trust fund baby, if you will, who's just blowing it all. And none of them have a whole lot of, uh, are, a lot of impression. They just want to hang around him to get what they can get from him. And he makes all kinds of stupid decisions and blows it all. Now he's homeless, he's broke, and he's hungry. Now the polite way for a Middle Eastern person to get rid of somebody wasn't just to tell them to get lost. It would, it would be to, to, to do something that would be a little more subtle than that. So they would offer him a job or something like that that they knew they wouldn't take. So then they'd have to leave, you know, hey, I'm doing what I can, but, but if you don't take this, then I'm done. That's the best I can do. And instead of just saying, just get out of here, you know. So someone, when he's desperate like this, offers him a job. Now, now the job is feeding pigs. Now, if you remember, pigs are unclean animals to the Jews. So you shouldn't be herding pigs. That's the last job. There's no way he should take that job. But he does. He's that desperate for something. And he actually is thinking about how he can eat the pods. He's so hungry because of it. And, and, and so he's, he's managing, he's having to work with these unclean animals. Uh, and by the way, they've got to get fed seven days a week. So probably he's not going to the synagogue on Saturday, although I'm not sure he would have wanted to. I think by that time, he is pretty much ashamed of himself. And uh, he finds himself slopping the pigs. He's slopping the pigs and he begins to think about home. And he's going, oh, wait a minute. You know what? Man, I got nothing to eat here. I am starving to death in this country. I've stayed away from dad and the family as long as I can, but I burned up everything I got. I, I don't know what else to do. And then he starts to think about how well his dad treats his servants. And he's thinking to himself, my, my dad's servants do a whole lot better than I'm doing right now. And so I, 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 I get this idea, I'm going to go back to dad. And I'm going to admit what I've done. I'm going to admit my mistakes to my dad. By the way, when he knew he was going to admit his mistakes to his dad, 
He also knew he would be admitting his mistakes to everyone else. The whole community would know. The family would know. But he got to the place where he was desperate enough where he said, you know what? I know I can trust my dad to at least take me back as a servant. And that's good enough for me. I'm, gonna, I'm, willing, to, I'm willing to get engaged with that. I'm going to head back. And I was thinking, man, you know what? Here's something we got to remember. When you get yourself knee deep in pig poop, you need to remember your dad is patient and persistent and waiting for you to come back. So he starts to head back to his dad's house. This dad is all-knowing. He knew that this son had to have a very difficult time to be able to reinstate his relationship with him, but he is completely faithful. You know what he's doing? He is watching and waiting for his son to show up. He's watching, and we know that because it says, the, the, the scripture says to us, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He's looking, he's always looking for his son. When's he gonna, is there any chance he's gonna be coming back? And he's looking down that road all the time. And one day he's looking down, he's going, wait, wait, wait. Is that him? I think it's him. Look at the way he walks. That's, that's gotta be him, it's gotta be him. And then he identifies him, and as soon as his eyes lock on him and he identifies him, he does something crazy. He does something off the hook for the Middle Eastern nobleman at that time. It's crazy. He runs, he runs. Oh, nobleman did not run. Nobleman walked with aristocracy where they went. They had those long flowing robes and they had to look like they were in control and like they were in position. This dad forgets about the position he is in and he picks his robe up, exposing his ankles, gasp, and begins to run to his son. Oh my goodness. I'm thinking about that and I think, wow, this dad is unconventional. He's unconventional, he's enthusiastic, he's not worried about reputation. My dad is unconventional, enthusiastic, and then he comes to him and he wraps his arms around him and he begins to, it says, with, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He is loving and compassionate, and he isn't afraid to show it. He's not afraid to show it. He doesn't care who knows. He's excited. He hugged him. The Greek word for this actually is an ongoing. So it's like he kissed him again and again. He couldn't get enough of him. And I, I, in my mind, I, I just picture this kid smelling really bad. He's been with the pigs. He's had nothing. And dad comes running to him with his full-on robe, drops his robe and wraps his arms around him and just begins to hug and kiss on him, man. He is affectionate. He is caring. What a dad that we've got that does those things. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Stop, he stops there. What's missing? What's missing? I'm sorry, and I will be your servant. He never got far enough to say, I'll be your servant. All he did is, Dad, Father, now I got, you got to think. He's rehearsed this. He's rehearsed this over and over and over again. And, and, and while he's walking back, I'm sure he's thought of it. I'm sure he's thought about how I'm going to fall at my dad's feet. Because here's what I'm concerned about. I seriously doubt he's going to accept me back as a son. I don't deserve it. I don't expect it. But man, if he would just take me on as a servant. And I think he's kind enough. I think he's compassionate enough. I'm going to ask him to just take me on as a servant. How would you do that? You 
you'd be on your knees at his feet like a servant would be. You'd be kissing his feet. You'd be kneeling and saying, I'm sorry. I sinned against heaven and against you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't deserve to be your son. Just let me be your servant. Please let me be your servant. He never gets to that point. He just gets far enough to say, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you, against heaven, and dad interrupts him. And then I began to think to myself, how is that that he never got to that point? And then I realized what it was. Don, come here a second, would you please? That's what you get for looking at your phone while I'm talking. I love you, man. Come up here, come up here. All right, Don's my son. I love this guy, all right? So if I'm the dad, and Don comes and Don comes running up to me and he's getting ready. He, I see him, I run to him, and what do I do? I wrap my arms around him. You see that? He's comfortable with that, you can tell. I wrap my arms around him. Now, can he kneel? He can't even kneel, can he? I don't let him. Because I've got a hold of him. Thank you very much. It was wonderful. You did great. Uh, yeah, give him a give him a round of applause. He did awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So he can't kneel because dad's so effusive with his love because dad's so glad to see him back because dad just wants to embrace him and have him come back. And so then what does dad say? Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Who do you think owned the finest robe in the house? The dad, the dad. Oh, 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 watch this picture. Here comes the dad. This father is amazingly generous. He is amazingly generous. He's willing to give his best for his son. Go get the best robe. And this, by the way, is a son who is completely unworthy of it. Can you agree with me on that? Say amen. He's unworthy of it. And now say, recognize that probably you are too. I am unworthy of his love. But here's what happens. He smells like pigs. He has been, he is dusty. He's got no shoes. So he's even stripped of those, sandals or whatever. And now dad says, bring the best robe and put it on him. When that robe went around him, father was covering the sins of the son. Do you see that? Dad's robe Oh, the Bible tells us it's like this. It's like the robe of righteousness, of God's own righteousness that covers our sin. It tells us our sin is like scarlet, which means it's bright, it's obvious, it's, it's, it's not good. Everybody can see it. But then he comes and his forgiveness is like, is like whiter than snow and like snow covers that. The, he covers him with his robe. And, and he's saying, he's saying, you're mine? He's saying, you're forgiven? He's saying, you're covered. It's paid for. And then he puts a ring on his finger, probably a signet ring. And signet rings were given to family members who were empowered by the father to do things on behalf of the family. In other words, they could sign contracts on behalf of the family. That ring demonstrated that. It would seal the contracts. It would say, I can make decisions as far as my family goes. So this father is trustworthy and empowering. He's trustworthy. He's giving his son, the, he's empowering him and giving him the possibility to be able to now step back into the family, reinstated to where he was before. Man. And then the dad says, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. 
you got to appreciate a dad who's fun-loving. I love I really appreciate a dad who loves to celebrate, who loves to have a party, who is joyful, who is thankful. He's He's killing the fatted calf, so everybody, you know, who saw this all happen beforehand could now come and join the party and see it all come back together again. And the faithful, forgiving father received back his son. And then the older brother, ooh, he's not a happy camper. He is not a happy camper. And, uh, and man, he deserves a message all by himself, but we haven't got time for that some other time, perhaps. But even with him, with his response to the dad, his, 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 the party's going on. Everybody's there, and he comes back in, and he won't go in. He won't go into the party. Uh-uh, man. My younger brother, I can't believe that he did that. I can't. And now dad's throwing a party for him? Are you kidding me? I've been the good guy all along. And, and the dad is still understanding. He is sensitive. He is sympathetic even to that oldest son. He says, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. There's the implication is, what were you even, what, why would you have to ask me for a goat to go celebrate with your friends? Of course, what I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost but now is found. Again, we want to focus on the father, how gentle he is in correcting the older, angry brother. He's so gentle in that, but he is also truthful. He's saying, listen, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be dependent. You can count on me. I'm consistent. I'm dependable as a dad. I'm consistent, so you can count on me to celebrate because of your youngest son. By the way, that transfers to you too. I'll be consistent and dependable with you as well. Wow. How our dad's love for us changes how we see others and how we love others. This is, a, this is our daddy. This is our God who's so interested in a personal relationship with you, who knows everything about you, knows your quirkiness, knows your your uniqueness, knows your thought process, knows your pain, knows the things that bring you joy. And he says, I want to be in a personal relationship. I want you to know how much I care about you. I want you to know how much I love you. And so we've seen what a dad we have a provider, gracious, wise, loyal, committed, patient, persistent, all-knowing, faithful, unconventional, enthusiastic, loving, compassionate, affectionate, caring, generous. Oh, he's so generous. Forgiving, righteous, trustworthy, empowering, fun-loving, joyful, thankful, understanding, sensitive, sympathetic, gentle, truthful, dependable, consistent. What a dad. Wow, and he's yours. I wonder how often we thank him for being that kind of dad. My kids are pretty good about thanking me, especially on Father's Day, I remind them. (laughs) But you know what? The best I could do 
nothing compared to that. Nothing. And it makes me think, wow, I've been that lost one. I've been that one. And this is my dad. He deserves thanks a whole lot more often than I possibly give it to him. Now listen, all of those things you just saw, all of those things that we just looked at, every single one of them is bathed in something. It's covered by something. It's, it's, it's never administered without this something that he demonstrates. In fact, the word of God says he demonstrates it so clearly, he personifies it. He is actually the definition of it. And it is love. It's love. My dad's love. Every one of these characteristics, every one of these traits of his come bathed in love. Come with love as the thought process of how he's going to dispense them to us. Come with love when it comes to how he's going to cover us and give us forgiveness. Comes with love when, it, when, he, when he says, I'll take you back. I'll run to you when you are just walking toward me. Just come toward me. Um, I ran across a, a deal sometime back that is a fantastic uh, a gal named Priscilla Shirer. Some of you may have heard of her. Uh, she does, she's, she's a terrific, terrific uh, lady of God who does a great job of bringing messages. I really wanted to pay, play a clip of hers called Who's Your Daddy, which she did in a message that she brought. But the tech team told me that because we stream and stuff, I couldn't get permission fast enough to do that. So um, uh, I'm going to read it to you. I, I write, wrote it out and believe me, I will not do it as well as she does it. She, so you, I'm going to encourage you to go look at it. All you got to do is go on YouTube and uh, type in Who's Your Daddy and her name. And uh, it's a three-minute video clip, and it's, it's phenomenal. But I want to read it to you because I know some of you guys aren't going to go home and do that. <laughs> right? You're just listening to me going, oh, that's nice. Thank you very much, Cliff. So, uh, so you're going to get the second rendition of it. You'll get my rendition, all right? So she begins it this way, and I've kind of uh, had to, you know, since I'm not a female, I had to kind of change a little bit of that, right? So here we go. When you feel... You can't handle the task at hand. What if you got a good look at your God, remembering who he is and that you belong to him? Look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, who's your daddy? And then tell yourself, he is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. He always was, always is, and always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised but brought healing. He was pierced but eased pain. He was persecuted but bought freedom. He was dead and brings life. He was risen to bring power, and he reigns to bring peace. The world can't understand him. Armies can't defeat him. Schools can't explain him. And leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. And Nero couldn't crush him. The new age cannot replace him. And Oprah cannot explain him away. You remind yourself that he is light. He is love. He is longevity. And he is the Lord. 
He is goodness and kindness and faithfulness, and he is God. He is holy and righteous and powerful and pure. His ways are right, his word eternal, his will unchanging, and his mind is on us. He's our savior, our guide, our peace, our joy, our comfort, our Lord, and he rules our lives. I serve him because his bond is love. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And his goal for us is abundant life. I follow him because he's the wisdom of the wise, the power of the ancient of days, the ruler of rulers and the leader of all leaders. And his goal is a relationship with me. He will never leave you, never forsake you, never mislead you, never forget you, never overlook you, and never cancel your appointment in his appointment book. When you fail, he'll lift you up. When you fail, he'll forgive you. When you fall, he'll lift you. When you're weak, he's strong. When you're lost, he is your way. And when you're afraid, he's your courage. When you stumble, he will steady you. When you're hurt, he will heal you. When you're broken, he will mend you. When you're blind, he will lead you. When you're hungry, he will feed you. When you face trials, he is with you. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he will comfort me. And when I face loss, he will provide for me. When I face death, he will carry us all home to meet with him. He is everything to everybody, everywhere, every time, and in every way. He is your God, and that, my friends, is who you belong to. He's your daddy. Yeah. Yeah. What a God. What an amazing God. I have thought a lot about these words and about the words that we have looked at this morning, the words that Jesus used directly and the ones he inferred about his Father, our Father. Words have such an impact on our minds. They imprint our memory. They make a huge difference in our lives. And that's why, friends, we need to be so careful about how we use words with other people and how we receive words from other people. We must hold the word of God above anything else that anyone else says. Amen? Amen. If Jesus is your Savior then our Father, our Daddy, who art in heaven, is your God. And today and every day, we get to be so thankful for that. We get to give Him praise for that. We get to say, no matter how bad things are, I know who my Dad is, and He's got me in His hands. He cares about me. He says he'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. He is my Dad. I love him. And you know what that means? What he's saying about you is true too. And when somebody else says something to you about who you are that doesn't match up with what he says, then you can call them a liar out loud or quietly because it's what God himself is telling you about yourself. And we've got to put him in his words first. Now listen, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then our Father who art in heaven is not your God. 
We've got to be clear about that, friends. We've got to be clear. But here's what I know about him. I know this about him. His character is right here. He is waiting. He is looking. He is searching. He is hoping that you will begin to walk toward him. And when you do, he will run to you. He'll run to you to wrap his arms around you, to receive you as his child, the very one he created, the one he knit together in your mother's womb, the one he loves and cares about so much. He'll run to you and he'll put his robe over you and your sins will be forgiven and you'll enjoy his righteousness and he'll say, you're now mine. You now have an inheritance in me. What a dad, what a dad. If you don't have a relationship with that dad, can I just really encourage you, if you're here, right here, after the service, come up and get prayer for that and start that relationship. Begin your walk toward him and let him come to you. If you're online watching this and you realize that's not me, I don't have that relationship. I can't call him daddy. He's not really mine. I played around the edges, but I don't really know who he is. I've not engaged in that. I've not acted like I even believe in him. He's waiting for you to begin to walk to him. And, and you, online, you can get a hold of us and we'd be happy to talk to you. And, and, and um, Brian said, Allison's our care pastor. Her or somebody else will call you up and we'll help you walk through that process. On this Father's Day, don't let your dad go. Don't let your daddy go without letting him know how much you care about him. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you that you care for us so incredibly much and that you've made it so clear in your word. Jesus, I thank you that you told this parable and that you just described our dad in such an amazing way. And so I just pray that you would help us to, to see him as that and to, to reach out to him and to thank him more appropriately for who he is and for what he's done for us. Lord, we just give you praise for that and we thank you that, um, <laughs> that we can say, I know who my daddy is. Thank you for being the kind of father that loves us so much, that forgives us so freely, that receives us back ah, when we've been lost, that helps us be found. Praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.